Hey, Post. What? Man, I think it's time we take it out on the groove. Move. You're not doing it right. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening to Take It Out on the Groove with Daryl Ashurst. T-minus 15 What's up to Dame Funk? Uh. Take it out. Whoa. Go ahead and take it out on the groove with me. Yes.
Yes. Oh. What's happening? This is Daryl Ashurst, and I would like to welcome you to the Take It Out on the Groove Experience. Episode 96. All right. Ugh. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so happy right now. We have this conversation with Paul Lawrence, man, that's been brewing, brewing, brewing. And we officially got this thing off together for this episode. First and foremost, I want to extend deep condolences to the friends and the family of Kashif. Shout out to my homeboy Hugh Douglas sitting right here too, man. Y'all know what Kashif meant to me. Y'all know what he meant to this show. I know a lot of funksters all around the world, man, were sad, you know, during this period, man. And I just want to... I just want to say thank you for everything that he's done for me. You know, every conversation that we've had outside of that interview. I'm just happy, man. I really believe in honoring people while they're alive. And that is the importance of this show. I believe in definitely preserving the music. It really makes me feel good for each and every time that someone told me, man, no one would ever listen to this show, man. Nobody wants to hear old music. Nobody wants to hear about these artists. I want to thank you guys for proving all of that wrong. Man, I almost got emotional right then, but we will not. Rest in peace, Kashif. Each and every time we do this show is brought to you by Funkmosphere. Well, where is that? 4519 Santa Monica Boulevard in the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California, the Virgil. Well, what is Funkmosphere, D? Well, I'll tell you. Funkmosphere is LA's longest running party for 80s inspired funk, boogie, electro, and modern funk. And it's brought to you by none other than my big brother, Dame Funk. Resident DJs include LaRage, Billy Goods, Randy Watson, Matt Respect, and Eddie Funkster. Each and every Thursday night, if you're in LA, that's where you want to be, which leads us to Atlanta, Georgia. That's right, y'all. To get down each and every Wednesday night, 591 Edgewood Avenue at Amaza. Music to keep you moving. We do that thing, too, each and every Wednesday night. Tonight's special guest will be none other than the world-famous J.C. <laughs> I can't wait to get down with JC, man. That dude's music selection is tremendous, and he's like a freaking robot. All right, y'all. We get ready to be joined by none other than Paul Lawrence, man. You guys know him from a lot of the works that he did with Kashif, Freddie Jackson, Evelyn Champagne King, Melba Moore. All songs that we've played here. I want you guys to enjoy this interview. It was thought out. It was informative. It's going to be fun. And I just want everybody to enjoy this. 
Welcome to Take It Out on the Groove, episode number 96. You're listening to Take It Out on the Groove with Daryl Ashurst. Mr. Paul Lawrence, how you doing, sir? I'm good, sir. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to Take It Out on the Groove. Uh, Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. All good. All good. So what's been going on with you? Uh, You know, I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. You know, they try to cast us old guys to the side, but I refuse to be cast to the side. (laughs) I don't think you'll be cast to the side ever with those hits that you made. I appreciate it. (laughs) I hear that you have a show coming up in New York very soon, right? I actually, yes, it's next Sunday, October 9th. I'm looking so forward to it and uh, gearing up for it and see what, you know, what happens from there. So are we going to get any old songs or uh, is going to be a mixture of old and new? Tell me about that. Well, actually, it's, it's, it's called Paul Lawrence and Friends. So I'm actually going to do a set uh, where I'm doing all the most of the hits of everything that I've you know produced on others. And, uh, you know, a couple of little songs that I had on myself and <laughs> I'm having uh, Melba Moore and and May Lisa Morgan, I'm sorry, joining me and Miss Janice Dempsey and the songs that they've done that I've produced on them. They'll perform in those songs. Oh, so it's going to be just an all-around, just good old time for everybody. Yeah, it should be a great evening. I'm looking forward to it. Now, you're going back to New York. That's your old stumping grounds, man. How does it feel to be going back to perform there? Well, it's, it's uh, mixed. Uh, I'm mixed about it because it's gonna, I know I'm going to probably be a, you know, a little punk that night. You know, so many faces. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people telling me that they're coming, and I haven't seen some of them in years. So I know it's going to be sort of overwhelming that way. But it will definitely be a joy. When was the last time you performed in New York? As Paul Lawrence, I've never performed in New York. Are you serious? And I'm from there. Yes. Wow. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're from Harlem, right? I'm from there. (laughs) And you've never performed in your city? Not as Paul Lawrence. You know, growing up in talent shows and all that stuff. But once stuff started happening, no, I was too busy in the studio. Let's take them back to New York. I've heard so much about this White Rock Baptist Church. Can you explain to some of us out here how real that was? Well, yeah, White Rock, you know, as I gotten older and able to, you know, a little hindsight, it it was definitely my university. Mm. Uh, We had talent like uh, Ashford and Simpson, you know, they were there. They were actually my mentors. Freddie Jackson also came through there. So it was, you know, the music department was not lacking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so you were a part of that scene, obviously. Yes, I, I was. Um, well, we, I had a mentor that actually he ended up staying in the church, but he was actually before Ashford and Simpson became Ashford and Simpson. He was a part of their team. Really? And he chose to stay in the church and they went on to become, of course, Ashford and Simpson. But he was really my my mentor. His name was Andrew Cooper. Andrew. Uh, he's since passed. But, um, so, you know, Everybody loved him. You know, Ashford and Simpson, you know, came because of him. He attracted them there. And um, so they, as they became famous and stuff like that, they still, you know, when they had were in town, they would still come in fellowship. And so me sitting under and watching them when they would come, and, you know, there's been times when they've called me in, you know, to do some jingles with them. So uh, I got excellent, excellent hands-on training. Wow. So you came up, man, right amongst the greats. Yes, and then Freddie Jackson came through in the era when I took over the music uh, department. 
And um, so I de- he and I developed from there in, in several, you know, singing groups in church and stuff, and so outside of church. So it, it was definitely a, a hands-on education. Who helped you along to say, you know what, you can do this? Who really pushed you there? Well, again, I had hands-on experience of watching. I remember watching Ashton and Simpson, you know, and again, you know, when you're young, you're motivated by all kinds of things. As you get older, things change. But I remember them coming to church one Sunday, and they pull up in a Rolls Royce. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even famous. Wow. And so I was like, wait a minute, they writing songs? Wow. I'm like, okay, it must be something to that. So that's where I started going, okay, well, you know, hey, you you make it more than the artist? <laughs> or just about, you know. <laughs> so that kind of started the motivation. But once I got into it, I loved it. So you went from the White Rock days, and then you started moving toward, was that when you start going toward Hush right around that time? was um actually I'd met um a, a, a man named Maury Brown. He um he I'd sent him some demos of some stuff that I had done and um he liked them and you know we hooked up and he said, Hey, I got this other cat I wanna hook you up with and I think, you know, you guys would be a great pair. So I said, sure. So, you know, I came down to his studio, um and the other guy happened to be Kashif Salim. And um and from there, you know, Kashif was almost pretty much at that particular time, I was fresh in the business, so he had, you know, experience with being with BT Express, so he had kind of been around a little bit longer than I had, so I was pretty green when I walked into the situation. But from there is when, you know, after that, I went into the Hush situation. And you guys made a lot of hits together, huh? Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great time. I mean, it was, it was you know, again, hindsight is everything, but at the time, you know, it just... It's just happening. You don't really get to cherish it or even appreciate it when it's happening. But uh, in hindsight, it, I, I definitely see it as something very special. I had the the pleasure of interviewing Kashif probably about two years ago. And okay. one thing he always talked to me about, even from that interview afterwards, was you in that groove. He's like, there's no one that could place a groove like Paul Lawrence. Where did that come from? Um, just, you know, everybody has whatever they have. And I guess I have that. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, if you really sit back and look at, it, I mean, look at tasty love, you know, uh, he was even a lot of, even a lot of his hits. He was telling me it was stuff that I said, wow, you killed that on that. He was like, no, nah, that wasn't me. That was Paul Lawrence. Wow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm also going to send you that interview too. Once you get a chance, just check it out, man. You, You'd be surprised, man. He dropped so many Paul Lawrence jewels in there that it opened up my eyes to you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'd love to check it out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Can you share with us some of your favorite uh, Kashif moments? <clears throat> Kashif, um, I remember, you know, when we met, you know, Maury, put us to, Maury Brown put us together, and um, he kind of let us have reign of the studio, and we were, you know, trying to figure out, you know, our songs and stuff like that. I remember Kashif... Early on, just, you know, as he would sit at the piano, just, uh, you know, just loving what I'm hearing, you know, as he played. And I would, I would always shy, get, become shy when it was my turn to play because, I, you know, I definitely wasn't the piano player that he was. But um, I remember, you know, just his, he's always been positive. Uh, you know, he used to say, don't worry about nothing. We're going to be good. <laughs> We're going to be straight. 
And I would just have to be like holding on to that, like, okay, Obi-Wan. <laughs> 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 you know, times when I thought like, you know, am I wasting my time at this? And he was, you just look at him and be like, well, you tripping. We're going to be okay. You know, so. <laughs> so he was definitely a positive energy. And um, one of my favorite stories that I think I just shared um, as, as he passed, I remember, you know, it took us a minute to figure out how to come up with the, the formula that would actually resonate with, with people, you know, because mm-hmm. we had written songs, we had, you know, call ourselves writing songs, and they were good songs, but it was one of those things where people hear them and be like, oh, okay, nah, yeah, okay. And you could tell that, you know, they were being cordial and not necessarily, like, really, really loving it. Yeah. So we had gotten to the point where we were like, okay, maybe it isn't there yet, and we just kept at it. And then I remember... One day in the studio, we were sitting at the piano, and he played something, and then I got up and I played something, and I was like, ooh, and I started playing something. And then we looked at each other, and it was really unspoken, but I believe we both at that moment figured it out, what we were trying to get to in terms of how to make a song connect with the public. Wow. And sure enough, the very next day, he walks in with I'm in love. Mm. And from there, it was like, it was on.
Let's talk about your time producing Lilo. Those were some of the funkiest grooves I've ever heard in my life. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Lilo is actually, everybody always asks me about Lilo. Lilo was my favorite project in the world to do, majorly because I got a chance to learn how to make records on him. Are you serious? Really did, because he was my first solo thing. Um, you know, the stuff that I did with Kashif was, you know, that was kind of like collaboration, you know. Yeah. But, but Lilo was my project. So he was like, hey, I get to, you know, experiment with him. And he was very gracious you know, gracious to let me, you know, do a lot of stuff, trial and error with him. And um, and we had we had a great time. You know, we bonded really well. And um, he made it easy because, you know, such a silky voice. And, you know, he was really open to trying a lot of things where I know a lot of other artists who maybe have been a little more more established at that time would not have allowed me to, like, kind of, like, experiment with them like Lilo allowed me to. So on that level, it was probably my, my favorite to do.
why do you think Lilo didn't get the credit that he deserved as 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 real and as soulful as those records were? It seems like the generations after were the ones that really picked up on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> and without calling out, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes when you're the first of a company. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times the company get they like I was doing. They was learning on and what they really do. <laughs> and by the time you learn it, you know, you're on, you got other artists, and now you, that that artist that allows you to, that you kind of, was your litmus test, gets pushed back a little to the side because, you you know, you're often thinking, yo, I'm off to something new. And I think Lilo got caught up in that. Okay. He got caught up in being first and not getting, okay, we got it now. We, we know what to do. And now everybody's coming to you in terms of management or whatever, and the management is, is now focused on other things because all of a sudden, you know, they got more to do. <laughs> yeah. I think he suffered from that, you know, being first.
you had a string, and I held that out, a string of hits with Freddie Jackson. How did that synergy come across? Because it seemed like that was perfect. Well, Freddie, you know, we go back, you know, know, whereas Lilo was my favorite to do because I was learning, Freddie was my favorite to do because I was so comfortable (laughs) with him. (laughs) By the time I I got on Freddie, I kind of knew exactly how to, to work in the studio, you know, without, you know, now, I wouldn't say without anyone else, but like solo, kind of like, oh, I got it now, and I, I really know now. So when it got time to him, it was like, come on, let's let's get in here and do what we always talked about from back in the days at, at White Rock, you know, when we were dreaming back then what to do. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was easy to write for Freddie because I'd known him for so many years, you know, being in groups with him and, you know, playing for him in church and stuff like that. So it was just a natural, natural, you know, extension. No. 
your album, Haven't You Heard, to me, that was another slept on classic. Like that album from A to Z is one of my favorite albums ever. No, seriously, because I remember the first time I heard Strung Out, it, it struck me as odd because I was like, wow, I was thinking about the time period that this was made. And I remembering it, that song, Racism, it's just some songs on there that you had that were really like they were real. They And they seemed a lot more realer than what most artists were giving at that time. Speak to us about that album a little bit. To me, that was a record to do to, to stretch out from what I was doing in terms of the norm, having to come up with the, you know, the hit for this artist and all that kind of stuff. So I figured, you know, I had a shot to do my own record. I was like, oh, let me let me stretch out a little bit and see how far I can go with this. And and it wasn't, and I don't say that to be like I wasn't really trying to make a record that would sell. Yeah. But I was really like, you know, well, since I'm not, I'm probably not going to go on the road after this. So I could be a little bit more, you know, creative without worry because I'm not going to go out on the road to try to sell it. But I am going to try to sell it from the studio. But but I, I felt just growing up in the community that I grew up in and what was happening to our kids and, you know, and all, you know, people, that crack epidemic that took over, I don't know, I guess it took over the whole country, but I'm living in New York City. It was just devastating. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I ain't, you know, I ain't afraid to talk about this stuff, you know, because I grew up listening to Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And, you know, living just enough for the city and, and you know, and the Earth, Wind & Fire records where they would talk about real issues. So I ain't no... You know, I you know I'm not afraid to do it for me, and I couldn't ask other artists to do these songs. But I was like, okay, well, so I'm gonna do it. And so, you know, I really do appreciate you saying that it was a good, great project for you because I put a lot into it, and I was really disappointed when Capitol really did not get behind it. Wow. And a lot of it was because they was they was they were afraid of it. <laughs> but you like, but you know what? You just said something that just turned on a light bulb. You did channel like a Stevie Wonder or the Earth, Wind and Fires when you were talking about or the Marvin Gaye's even of even speaking of something that was actually going on that was relevant in that time period. Yeah.
I mean, even today when I look at people like, you know, even, you know, like the Kaepernick's and stuff like that, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm secretly like, yeah, you know, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and not even secretly, but I mean, it's yes, you know, even, and the, the thing that I get angry about, though, is when others, you know, there's, other, there's some of our people that are saying, well, everybody should be doing that. Like, well, no, everybody's not made to do that. Yeah. We need, you know, you can't fault LeBron because he's not as hardcore as the Kaepernick with it. LeBron, he said something, except what he said, and, and let's build from that. Everybody can't be totally militant. We, that we're not all the same that way. So you know, it's you know, you can't one man. You know, it's it's not that deep as deep for LeBron as it is for Kaepernick, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, and that's real. So, yeah, that's real. Yeah. 
Underexposed. Why did you use that title? Well, one of it was because out of all the stuff that I had done on everybody else, nobody still knew who I was. So, <laughs> so it was like, and, and and a lot of that is, you know, my fault because I never, I was content just being in the studio. Yeah. I, the limelight and all that stuff. I never craved it. Maybe I, you know, in hindsight, maybe I should have. Maybe not doing it has saved my life. I will never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, but a lot of it is because I just never, you know, I wasn't at the parties after, you know, after work and, you know, everywhere, you know, there's something going on. You see me. It's yeah. like not nah, in the studio. <laughs> so and uh, my management loved that. And I guess that's part of the reason why financially things got strange. It's <laughs> like, oh, he's, he ain't even paying attention. He's in the studio. All know? the time. <laughs> yeah. So. So from that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I guess Unexposed was probably the topic, you know, the topic for the album. And my favorite track on that album, Sue Me. Why? Oh, wow. Why Sue yeah. Me? Now, I was, I was, uh, there's a history for that song. Uh-oh. Um, that was written for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Really? Yeah. I, um, I, Maurice White had flown me out to L.A. because he was looking at a bunch of younger producers or newer producers that to work on, I think it was myself, I think at the time, Larry Blackman, mm. and a couple of others that he wanted to bring aboard to uh, possibly co-produce or produce on Earth and Fire. So I wrote this song for him, and, and he heard it, he's like, I love this song, but I can't get past somebody suing me. <laughs> 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 so I was like, well, you know, it, it's not literally suing it's like it's about a, it's a love song exactly like, yeah i get that part but uh could we call it something else other than suing? <laughs> 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 and i was you know i was willing to change it but at, by that time he had decided that he wasn't going to use any he was going to go completely another way wow ended up doing you know not using any of us and ended up doing the record himself of you know producing it himself again but you, you know that if you listen to it, it's out. You know I wrote that for Philip Bailey to sing all that, that hot stuff. And, yeah. You know, um, but um, so but it, so I took it for myself, <laughs> and then kept it and sued me. Hey, and it and it ran too. I, I love that song. Oh, cool. Thank you.
What brought you back to the music now? Well, you know, I got really, I mean, this business and, and anybody that's in it, and even you probably know yourself, you know, it could get very rough. Yes, sir. Uh, it's not, there's nothing about it that's regulated. Um, and it got to the point for me where, you know, I didn't grow up becoming, you know, I didn't get into the business to be no accountant or to be, <laughs> you know, really to be a solid businessman. If, if that was my motivation at the end, I would have done something else because that's that's not what thrills me. And it doesn't mean that I don't know about business, but it's, you know, it's it's hard to do both mm. if you're if you're in it. And I, I'm, you know, again, being green, not knowing, you know, I, a lot of my money was mishandled by, manage, by management. Oh, wow. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to where I took care of some of my stuff, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there still that I'm trying to collect. But, um, and I just, you know, at some point I got very discouraged. Like, okay, I, you know, I need people that I can trust if I'm going to continue to do this. And I saw it actually turning me into a person that I did not want to become. Yeah. Um, and I know my mother would would not be proud of me had I become that person. I mean, thoughts of wanting to hurt people and, you know, almost going through with it and stuff like that. It's it like, got way bad? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know what? This is not how I was raised. You know, and, you know, it might feel good to, to get revenge, but, you know, th there's repercussions from doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I just decided, hey, I'm just going to, you know, you know, well, again, I wasn't, as much as I got ripped off, I still was able to earn a living from it. And so I just decided to, hey, I, you know, do so, you know, I raised a family, got you raised my children, you know, and I had a, you know, married and all that stuff. And uh, actually, my life has been much more fulfilling. Then it was ever doing music. You know, the music part was just doing the music part was great, but the the stuff that comes with it in the business, that stuff was not fulfilling at all. Wow. So, you know, now that my kids have grown and, you know, my wife is looking at me like, okay, you have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> looking at me, you know, whatever. And, and, and this is what I love to do. So I figured I'd give it a shot. You know, I'm not looking to come out and, you know, be mainstream, you know, back in the day. But I do know that I have a lot that I can teach folk, young folk, and um, if I can help them, and that's how I can become mainstream again through the youth. So, yeah, yeah something so, like that. So speaking on the youth, who's some of the people that you're working with today? I heard you're pretty pretty busy out there in that Charlotte community. Well, uh, actually, I'm actually working with an artist right now that actually lives in New York. Oh, okay, okay. So you're taking it back uh, to your roots. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I'm 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 doing that, and I'm working. And from once I done done with my show next weekend, I'm gonna start doing a compilation record where I will feature other artists, up and coming artists, and do a compliment a compilation and see what that does. Yeah, yeah. So some of the stuff that I've written and, and collaborate with them as well. You know, I want I want to ask you something. Whatever happened to that song? Because I remember I got so hype a couple years ago when I looked on the internet. And I seen this song called Go On and Dance. Whatever happened to that? Uh, I put that out earlier this year. Just, to, you know, it's like a dance track just to kind of put feelers out because I hadn't been out in a long time. So I wanted to, I didn't want to put what I think is my best out there, not having been out in a long time. So I said, oh, let me try this and see what's happening. It's, you know, I just put it out. There's no, there was no real thing behind it other than to throw it out there to see. And I've, just submitted it to a few things and just to see what happens. And so it, it, it taught me, okay, well, this is what's really going on versus, you know, when you haven't been out there in a while, you hear all kind of stuff like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. So I'm like, well, let me, let me 
let me see what's true and what's not true. So let me throw this out and see. <laughs> so, you know, it's out there. You know, it's 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 that EDM market, which is hard for us brothers to crack, even though we created it. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. You know, we create stuff. When we, there's no need for us to do it anymore, they don't let us do it. But you know what, man? I I got a lot more out of it than just EDM, man. I, you know what? We're gonna play it for our audience, and we'll we'll let them we'll 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 have a nice discussion about it. I I think the song is even though it was EDM, it was still kind of soulful. It's just who you are. Oh, it's my version of EDM, I should say. <laughs> yeah, and it was way cooler than any that I ever heard. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. <laughs>
One thing I'll tell you is this. I believe in honoring those who gave us this good feeling with the music. That's that's the whole premise of Take It Out on the Groove. I remember so many people told me, man, no, nobody wants to hear a show of a bunch of people that we don't know anything about. Yes, they do. And I am so happy that you agreed to do this show again. Again. I can't say that enough, Mr. Lawrence. I really appreciate you. Uh, well, appreciate you for asking me. I, I appreciate it being, you know, not somebody to, 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 you know, sh- you know, let me share. Looking back at that time period of music that you guys were in, why is music not connecting like it used to? Well, my take, and this is really just my opinion, is it's not that music isn't good anymore. I think the real good music is just hard to find. Because, mm. um, you know, God ain't stopped giving out talent. That's true. Uh, it's It's just that you know, kids today or the young people want when they, in terms of the masses, they always want a young face, which, you know, I understand that because that's, that's how I was when we were coming up. But like the, the true writers that are young today, it's harder for them because it's so easy. You know, I guess garbage is what's happening now. And and I don't mean everything is garbage, but it's like, we had garbage back in the day, but it was, that was a aberration. It wasn't like the norm. Today, <laughs> normal is like what well, you know. But trust me, there are some great young songwriters out there. They just, I believe, a lot of them get discouraged and go, well, you know what? What I'm really trying to do is, you know, it, it, it's got depth to it, and you know, it actually resonates. But people or the executives that they're trying to impress are like they can't feel it, mm-hmm. or they don't trust it, and that's what it is. It takes a, a level of trust, you know, of of, of the executives letting the artists do their thing and let them step and they step out of the way but it's been reversed the the, the executives have taken over and because they really don't know how to write real good solid music and stuff like that they tend to to want copies of what they've already heard or what's what they feel is already happening Uh. and a lot of to me and a lot of the garbage is the norm and doesn't mean that there's not good music out there it's just that those young folks that are that are writing it I could see them being very discouraged. I know you're throwing out your feelers out there, but do you have any projects out right now that you want to uh, pump to the crowd? Uh, I'm working on the, the Matthew thing. His name is Vincent Matthew. That's the artist I tell you from New York. Uh, we're, you know, we're not certain when we're going to drop it, but uh, it's, we're finishing up. Uh, we have maybe about three or four more songs to finish up the entire project. I'm not sure we're going to wait for the rest of it to finish the job, but we still, I don't know what the release date, but sometime soon it should be. Okay. But his name is Vincent Matthew, so be looking out for him. Vincent Matthew. Okay. And these shows, you're in North Carolina, but you have to come to Atlanta at some point, Mr. Lawrence. I'd love to come to Atlanta. Well, I'm going to make some phone calls, and I'm going to talk to some people who do those type of things. I just do shows like this and actually spin live vinyl. But I will make sure that the proper people get a hold of this because we need you down here in Atlanta. I uh, appreciate that. I'd, I'd love to come. And your next show in Charlotte, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure that I stay on your website, on your Twitter and everything. And I'm going to find when you are next in Charlotte again, because I'm, I'm upset that I missed that last one. Okay. Well, I'll do you better than that. We'll let you know personally about it. You know what? See, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all we're making friends through the music. When it's all said and done, what do you want to leave people with? Well, you know, the music thing, I honestly, at this stage of my life, I consider it just a blessing to have done it. You know, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. You know, it used to be everything. 
but now as, as I've gotten older, I, you know, it, it's, you know, I've come to realize that, you know, there is a, you know, I've always known and growing up in the church that there's a higher power, but I believe that I've gotten closer over the years and I realize, hey, you know, it's, it's what we what we do with the time we have here. And I don't mean that in a, some old corny way, yeah. but I mean, you know, you know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, you need to affect the world, but it's like, no, if we could just affect the people that we run into daily, that's, that's what it is. You know, I know that I'm less stressed when I feel like I've helped somebody. Yes. Uh, and even with all that's going on in my life, when, when things are challenging and, you know, it's like when you take the focus off yourself <laughs> and think about somebody else, it all just, you know, fixes itself. So I guess in hindsight, just not to take yourself so serious, even in your career, whatever it is you choose, just look at it as a blessing only. It is not your God. And, and at one time, it was my God. And, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have learned that lesson. Some people don't learn that lesson at all and, until their life is over with. But um, I'm glad that the Father showed me that, hey, I am God. Music is not your God. Yeah. So I allowed you to do this, and you need to just be grateful for it. And that's really all that it is. It Take care of your family. You know, love the Father, and that, there's not much more that you can ask for. You know, Mr. Lawrence, it's funny that you say that. Like, so many times, especially in this generation, it's about go get it, go get it, go get it, go get it. And then I sit here, and then I hear you say, like someone who's accomplished, a lot in this music industry. And then you say, find balance, you know, yeah. take not understand that This isn't your God. How would you go about telling somebody right now? Like, listen, how, how do you make that transfer to people without sounding like, yeah, okay, I did that. And, you know, because that's what somebody will say, well, you know, he's old, he's already done his thing and I'm not, you know, not being disrespectful. That's just the mindset of today's people. Like he's done no, his thing. Absolutely. How do you how do you combat that? Well, you don't. I mean, people have to live. I mean, back then you couldn't have told me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I get it. You know, there's you know, if I can have if I can get somebody to listen, that's all I can do. I and mean, if not, it's cool too. But you know, you my thing is if you could understand that when you're young, mm-hmm. younger, and when it's happening. Oh, the sky's the limit. But you know, you know, it, it took for me. It took a hit, a crash upside the wall of being ripped off and realizing, like you know, well, and you really, you know, it was when you was doing it. It really was a blessing. You took it as though that it was never going to end. You, you know, you treated it as though that you could do it at will and that you were always going to be successful at it. And and it's like. You know, unfortunately, again, a lot of cats in the business who are successful, they never learn that lesson. And at the end of their life, they're bitter and they're, mm. you know, they're just, it's just a real sad story. For me, it's like, do I wish I had more? Absolutely. But when I think in hindsight, I'm like, wait a minute, my life has been fulfilling, you know, to yeah. sit back and see children and have a wife that, you know, really loves me and, you know, people that I believe really love me that I've actually taken some time to, to develop relationships with, and it wasn't based on, oh, you Paul Lawrence, the songwriter, or the singer-producer, and, and my relationships are really based on that. Yeah. That's what it was and when it was happening. You know, you never know who is really digging you for, you know, who you are. And, and part of that, if you're doing the music, that is part of who you are, but you there's a part of you that wants to be recognized beyond that. And I think that God allowed me to have another life outside of it to see, like, hey, music is just something that I 
allowed you to have. Hmm. It's not a God in itself. So worship me, and you want that? Don't worship that. And, and I'm glad I didn't have a lesson that that I was that devastated my life for me to learn it. So, amen. <laughs> hey, amen to that, brother. Amen. <laughs> Because we hear so many stories of that, you know, that somebody had to yeah. pop their head. But, you know, thank goodness that we still got some cool ones out here that know how to listen. <laughs> yeah. And you got, and there's some young people that will hear this if they hear it and, and, and will understand. And then there's some, like, it would be just exactly like you said, oh, you old head. You, <laughs> you, uh, it ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. Looking back on it right now, give me three artists. I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me three artists that you did not work with that you wish that you would have laid down that Paul Lawrence groove with. Okay, I'll give you the easy one. Michael Jackson. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And if I had to, right, uh, the third one, uh, that's, uh, if I had to go off the top of my head, I'd say, good question. I, I can't pick a third one. Well, well, Prince wouldn't let nobody with, but I would. You know, you go with the big three, Prince. <laughs> now, see, I'm not gonna let you get off that early, that easy. It had to be somebody that you were listening to back then that you said, "Man," or you pretty much work with everybody you wanted to. Well, no, not everybody, but Michael was the big one, and and Earth Wind and Fire. Those would have been like, you know, you we, it, like that was probably the one that the father's like, "Nah, I can't let you have that one." <laughs> You a jerk? You you think you're a jerk now? <laughs> but um, I say Mike. Well, Michael, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and is is who was I crazy about? Um, I really wasn't crazy about you know other artists that way. You know, yeah. I loved them. Yeah. Oh. You know, but but most of the other artists are artists that are self-contained. Like? You know, like, you know what I mean? So for me to figure, you know, I never saw my way in, like, well, how would I work with them? You know, Stevie writes all his stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. Marvin does all his stuff. Why would he, you know? Yeah. But, it, it you know, if they would have allowed it, sure, Marvin gave Stevie Wonder, sure. You know. You had a, uh, you, you had a, a lot of Marvin Gaye influence in that Freddie Jackson. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that is that what you were grooving to during that period? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I love Marvin. I mean, it's, it, that that some of that old stuff like "Come Get to This" and <laughs> uh, what's that? What's that? Um, you were my wife, my life, my hopes and dreams. That song right there. It's like, oh yeah, where did uh, you come up with that? How did you come up with that, Marvin? Just crazy. He meant that though. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's too late for you. It's and too me. late. There it is. Yeah, I was in my head trying to remember that song. Uh, like, you know, sitting to that, just listening, just with my mouth wide open, like, <laughs> oh my goodness, what a song! What a song! You know, so yeah, artists like that. You know, any of those. I honestly believe that we grew up in the best generation of music ever in the history of the world. Really. I honestly believe that, and I don't think there will ever be a time like that again. And see, you know what's so funny? The way I'm looking at it, I look at it like you guys were some of the best people in the history of the world. So it's so it's so funny how it goes from generation to generation. I love yeah. what Marvin them did, but what you guys did to me, I guess because I grew up in that period, and I can so understand. I guess that is, 
that. I guess that's how it is when you're growing up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand. It makes a lot of sense now. Like I grew up, my mother blasting, you know, you all's hits. Uh, Stephanie Mills. Um, you put a little. Uh, you're putting a rush on me, like stuff like that yeah. was so cold and it was so prevalent in our house. That, oh, cool. Yeah, man. It it's like having this opportunity again just to speak to you, man, is like, I really appreciate that, man. So as a 39-year-old man, you know, it it's like, this is Christmas for me right now. Wow. <laughs> wow. Can you tell everybody all of the places that you are socially? Because I want everybody to follow you guys. And if you guys need help with your social media, no charge. I will help you because it's just because. I mean, I'm I'm trying to keep up. I'm really <laughs> it really is challenging because I'm you know sitting there. And no disrespect to the young. I mean, because that is what they're into. And when I was young, I'm sure my parents looked at me like, hey, all right, whatever. <laughs> but um, you know, I just you know, it's just hard to be on there sometimes talking about some of the things that they be talking about. <laughs> but anyway, I'm on the, I, I, I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an Instagram account, of course, Facebook. Uh, and LinkedIn, but that's as far as I, you know, as far as I can know that I'm on, you know. All right, Mr. Lawrence, I would like to thank you for your time, man. This has been a very, very educational yet happy time for me, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule just to do this interview today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate doing the interview with you. Thank you so much. Now, I promise you, anything that you need from me as far as helping you push any of the artists that you're working with or if you're doing anything and you just need me to blast it out, I got you. I appreciate that so much. Oh, Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're family now forever. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. All right. Have a great day, sir. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And just like that, episode number 96 is officially a wrap. We'd like to thank Mr. Paul Lawrence and all his people, man, for making that happen. There's nothing like talking to people who you grew up listening to, grew up loving, listening to the music, just enjoying it and just having a good time with it. I'm very thankful and grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk to these guys and to be able to share it with you guys, man. I learned a lot during that interview. And it's just, it's just wonderful, man. It's wonderful how we can keep this music alive, man, and, and pass it on to different generations, man. R&B will never die as long as we have things like this to keep it going. And, I mean, I'm not I'm not by any means trying to say that this is the only show that you get that from. There's a lot of different people all across this Internet, man. Uh, it's that radio station over in London, um, the Jazz Funk Soul Radio. They keep it alive people like that it's people like dame funk in la keeping it alive it's people like bus crates people like bread eclectic keeping it alive shout to everybody keeping this music alive what's up lady marauder down there in augusta big shout out to everybody in the cities of Lafayette, Indiana, Los Angeles, California. What up, whoop? Bayonne, New Jersey, Pittsburgh. 
Dordrecht, Netherlands, Paris, France. Melbourne, Australia, New York, New York, Montreal, Canada, Chicago, Illinois, Oakland, California. What's up, y'all? LaSalle, Canada. Dormastadt, Germany. The Bronx, Copenhagen, Atlanta, Georgia. What's up, y'all? Durham in the United Kingdom. Buffalo, Seattle. All my homies represent for me. Big love to the countries of France, United Kingdom, Canada, Germany. The Netherlands, Australia, Japan, Italy, Denmark, Belgium, Spain, Estonia, South Africa, Switzerland, Sweden, India, the Czech Republic, Russian Federation, and Indonesia. All of you guys have been tuning in, locking in with me, man, and I really appreciate you guys. Next episode, we'll just go down and give more names, man. But thank everybody for listening to this episode. I hope you guys got some out of it. Stay tuned for Take It Out on the Groove, episode number 96. No, D, this was 96. It's number 97 coming to you real soon. All right, y'all. Much love. Remember, to find out anything about this show, anything about what we're doing, anything about the interviews, go to theymightbetaping.net. That's theymightbetaping.net.